Check two. Him, him. Hello. Hello, hello. Testing, 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 testing. Testing one two three. Testing one two three. Testing one two three. Hello. Well, good morning, everyone. If you please stand with us and sing along and worship together. Your name, your name is 
his victory. Our praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. Our praise will rise to Christ our Resurrecting me, the resurrection. 
to Northside Baptist Church. I missed uh, worshiping with you guys. Uh, last Sunday, we did have a wonderful vacation. We had a great week of camp. I wish I would have reversed those, gone to camp and then vacation. But nevertheless, uh, here we are. Um, and it was a great week. And you're going to hear more about our time at camp uh, this morning. But before we get to that, just a couple of things I want to do. First of all, I want to welcome you. Uh, we have several visitors with us this morning. Some of you are back maybe for the second or third time. We're so thankful that you are here. We want you to know uh, we've been praying for you, maybe not by name, but we've been praying that God would bring people to Northside, people that we could love on and minister and, and serve. And so we want to help you and your family any way that we can. So if you have not filled out a, a visitor's card, it's inside the bulletin, a place for you to fill out some information about yourself. There's a box out in the foyer, you could drop it in that box. We would love for you to do that. It would help me a lot to know and learn names, so we would appreciate uh, if you would do that. Today is also Father's Day. Uh, so what I'm going to ask you to do, if you are a father, I'm just going to ask for you to stand so we can recognize you and show our appreciation to you. So would our fathers please stand. Awesome. You all may be seated. I'm going to talk a little bit at the beginning of the message about fathers and the importance of the father to the family. And so let me just say uh, a special thank you to you. Uh, my dad's probably watching, so dad, thank you for just loving on me, uh, pointing me to Jesus. Um, and so we appreciate men, uh, you doing that. Uh, let me uh, say one more thing, then I'll make some announcements, and then we're going to kind of transition into our time of talking about camp. 
I got a call from Curtis, Mr. Curtis, at 7 o'clock this morning. Uh, he's not feeling well, uh, was sick, uh, up sick most of the night, and so he just decided to, to stay home. So just pray that Curtis will get over, uh, whether it's a bug or he thinks it's probably just something he ate. Uh, we just pray that he'll get to feeling better and stronger. And so because of that, uh, we won't do as much singing uh, this morning, and the choir's not going to be singing but that's okay because we got some stuff to fill in there because we're going to talk to you about camp. But we want you to pray for Curtis. Uh, hopefully you'll pay attention to your, your bulletins. Baby bottles are due back today. We had 150 baby bottles. As of this morning, I think like 30 had been returned. And there's quite a few in here, but nowhere near the 150 that we had. So if you have a baby bottle still at your house, I'm going to encourage you to bring it back. We don't have services tonight. But bring it back Wednesday or drop it off uh, here at the office one day this week, and then we'll get those over uh, to Coweta Pregnancy Services. Please pay attention to the bulletin. There's a lot of good things in here. Just a reminder, no activities tonight because of Father's Day. Next Sunday night, we're going to have our watermelon social. There'll be more information in the bulletin next week about that. Um, our youth have a dive-in this Wednesday. So it says in the bulletin there under this week ahead, youth at 7. But youth, you need to be here at church by 6.15. We're going to load up in the bus, and we're going to head uh, out to the dive-in, and then we'll send out a message through Remind, letting you know where to pick up those students Wednesday at 8.30. Um, sign up for VBS uh, just several weeks away. So if you plan on coming to VBS, sign up for that. There's a little QR code that you can scan, take care of that. Uh, women's ministry uh, announcement in here, um, announcement about our making the bags for their Operation Christmas Child boxes, and so we want you to be a part of that. So we got to go to Snowbird uh, for the second time. This is the second year we've gone there. We ended up at Snowbird last year because of COVID and uh, fuse camps were canceled. And so you heard about Snowbird a little bit last year. Uh, BJ played a video, if you remember, of me on a three-man swing. I didn't ride that again this year. I learned my lesson. So I don't have any video for you where you can laugh at me. Uh, so Snowbird up in Andrews, North Carolina, an outdoor camp. And our kids, by the way, they went to camp last week, and they had an incredible time. And if some of you want to share, you can share a little bit next Sunday if you would like to tell us about your uh, camp experience. Um, and so it's up in, in the mountains, and Snowbird is known for their outdoor activities. They have a lot of stuff that you get to do outdoors. One day you get to go down the river, and so we got to do that on Friday, um, climbing towers and aerial parks and water slides. And one, one of the most fun things that I thought we did, Landon asked me what I enjoyed the most, and one afternoon we played volleyball, uh, sand volleyball, and man, I laughed. That was, that was fun. That was good. I wish we had some video of, of some of that. Um, so Snowbird focuses a lot on the fun, but Snowbird also is very intentional when it comes to teaching the Word of God. So Monday night, they sat through an hour-long worship service. They, were, they heard preaching Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They sat through preaching in the morning, in the evening, and after the morning service, they had a breakout session. So that's 3, 6, 9, 10, 11, like 12 times they sat under preaching. And I'm not talking about preaching that's watered down down here. I'm talking about preaching that's up here, and they're challenging the students to hear the Word of God. The focus was the attributes of God. 
Um, so strong, strong preaching, and they were challenging. So I've asked uh, on the bus the other day if any of our students wanted to come and share a little bit about their week, and so four of them volunteered, and so I'm going to ask them to come. Uh, Rebecca volunteered to go first, so Rebecca is going to come first, and after Rebecca, then Alex is going to come. Rebecca, you can come on. And then Isabella, and then uh, Tucker. So uh, Rebecca is going to come. I just asked them to share for just a couple minutes um, something that maybe the Lord spoke to them about while they were at camp. Uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Rebecca, for those who don't know me, and I got the joint privilege of getting to go to Snowbird this week. So Snowbird, I love the camp because it is a mixture of very, very fun activities that you get to do and a mixture of getting growing deeper into God's word. So to kind of explain kind of the fun things we did at Snowbird. So one thing we did was we went down the river, which you go down the Nantahalo like for two and a half hours. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, our boat almost went flipped <laughs> at the very end of the waterfall. But um, that was really fun. Another thing we got to do was the three-man swing, which is a very large swing where three people sit on it and you go up and you pull the string and you go down. I went with Cindy and Machina. It's kind of funny when they count to three and you don't pull it and you wait till uh, later and so that's pretty fun. <laughs> um, um, and so we had many more activities like the tower which you climb up and then jump off of. That was fun. And then the Goliath swing which you get, climb on top of a tree and you jump off and you swing. But uh, our theme for this week was the attributes of God, and my and I am going to share a little bit of my favorite one that we did, which was the jealousy of God. Uh, the verse we went off of is Isaiah forty-eight eleven, which says, "For my own sake, for my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another." So, the jealousy of God is um, God is always protecting His honor and glory. That is the good jealousy. We also talked about bad jealousy, which is us being jealous of someone or some things that somebody has. And so we wanted to dive deeper into the good jealousy of that because we want to be like God and what he is jealous for. So we had three points. We need to recognize God's jealousy for the person that we are talking to or friends with. We need to recognize that God is jealous for them and that they are worth a lot to him, just like we are worth a lot to him. And um, number two is understand your life and relationship with others, um, and it gives you an incredible opportunity to share Jesus. So because God is jealous and wants them, we need to share, the, share Jesus with them and show them that he loves them a lot. And three, don't follow the world's advice to you. So people are going to tell you to be jealous of others, be jealous of objects or things instead of being jealous for God. So we need to make sure we are following him and what he wants us to do. And kind of my favorite point is that our lives exist on the glory of God. We need to make sure we are glorifying God in all that we do um, because he is the ultimate authority. You cannot change his authority because he is ultim ultimately going to be the one you need to love at the end. You can't think of yourself as the authority or someone else because Jesus is always there and will always be your authority. So that was kind of my favorite um, lesson that we did. And overall, my favorite part of this whole experience is at camp is getting to know the youth group more and be able to hang out and learn more about people that I usually don't get to hang out with and learn about their personalities. And it was a lot of fun. And so recommend anyone who is thinking about it that you should go because it is fantastic. Thank you, guys.
Awesome. Piggybacking on the youth group. Man, parents, I want you to know how incredible our students are. We have 20 students, no issues, no behavioral issues, no disobedience issues. Everybody on time where they, yeah, you can use that one. Everybody on time where they needed to be. Um, and it is a joy uh, to be a part of that. And so thank you for that. All right, Mr. Alex. Good morning. We had a very good time at camp this week. And I told Pastor Aaron to keep me on like standby. And then I, I got here. He immediately walked over to me this morning and was like, hey, how about you go ahead and speak this morning? And last night, my throat wasn't feeling super great. I was like, uh, I'll just tell him I'm not going to speak. Well, I'm going to speak now. And <laughs> I, I jotted down a couple of notes on my phone. Um, I, was, I was kind of prepared, but um, I really want to brag on the Snowbird staff because they were so good to us this week. Um, in previous camps, we might have been assigned like one person from Fuge, um, like a 20-year-old like a person to really take care of us, um, but they didn't hang with us. They really did nothing with us, but we had five staff from Snowbird, three males and two female staff, and they were with us. Um, they sat with us during meals, and we did share groups together, which is after the evening service, we kind of broke down the day. and. Our guy was really chill. He, I mean, he let us talk about whatever, but we had some really good conversations, and uh, um, I'm sure Tucker might say something about Matt. Matt was, um, all, there was five of us older guys, me, Toby, um, myself, Tim, Matt Molina, Toby, and Tucker. And so Matt was really cool, but then the other guys were Joe and David, and they were just super cool to us this week. And they were... Um, they knew the word, and they were passionate about being there. And they, that, the staff at Snowbird, they stay all summer long. They're there for like 13 weeks. They get trained in the beginning, and then they are nonstop. They get the weekends off like 9 a.m. on Saturday until Monday morning. Like that's all the time they get off. But Snowbird is really good to them, and they were on fire for Jesus. They were not tired. They could have not cared about us. Um, our guy, Matt, he even said when we first showed up, he's like, ah, these guys aren't going to be into me. Like, we're not going to click this week. But, like, his mind was changed, and he told us that, and he was, he was really cool. Um, so just really good Snowbird staff. They cared about us. They loved us, and um, that was really cool. Uh, the other, the, the camp pastors were awesome. They brought some really good, some really good messages for us this week. And what kind of was a big takeaway from almost every lesson that we had was that we need to keep our minds saturated in the spirit, saturated in the word of God. The only way that we can combat the things of this world, social media and um, just relationships, the only way that we are um, able to you know, combat those things and have a, have a defense as a Christian in a world where Christianity is being pushed away and neglected and rejected, um, we have to, it is our obligation to keep our minds in the Word of God and really stand firm on that and just um, really make that, make that our defense. Um, and so that's really what my takeaway was, was just that we need to, that I need to keep my mind saturated in the Word of God so that I can um, continue to combat the, the growing difficulty of being a Christian in a non-Christian world. Um, and so that was, um, 
that was a big thing this week. Um, I had a lot of fun. when I, I did this one obstacle, the poopy pole. I did it 11 times. You have, to, you have to climb up in there on this telephone pole and then balance your way to the top. I mean, you have to stand on something not this big. My feet were hanging off the front and the back. Um, and then you jump out into the air. I mean, and it's 30 feet off the ground. I mean, you're just trying for this bar. I got it one time out of 11. Um, but, uh, hey, perseverance. I got it on the sixth try, and then I wanted to do it again. I tried five more times, and I failed. But, hey, I'm just glad I got it once. But um, the, the people who ran that station were really cool, and I made good friends with them. So um, it, was, it was a really good week. And yes, you heard him correctly. It was called the poopy pole. And I got it zero times because I tried it zero times. Because of the name, and you can figure out why I just didn't want to do it. All right, this is Isabella, or Izzy Bella, as I call her. Go up. You're up, Izzy. Okay, so um, as they were saying, we had several sermons that we listened to this week. And the one that touched me, like, as being a teenager was the social media one. And a few weeks ago, when we went to the Hornsby's house. This is what we talked about a lot, how social media, you can either look at it as comparing yourself or um, all the filters that are on there, or you can look at it as, is this biblical or not biblical? And that's one of the things they talked about. Um, one of the examples that Zach, which is the worship leader down there, told us was that there were three guys in a relationship that adopted a baby, and you could either look at it as they're happy or that's unbiblical. And as Christians, we should look at it as that's unbiblical. So um, as Christians, we are living in a battle, and social media, especially in today's world, that's a big um, influence on a lot of people's lives, um, tries to get you to believe things that shouldn't cross your mind once or tries to train you to think in the ways of the world instead of looking to God. So uh, social media is a big influence. And um, the main point I got from this lesson is if you're going to be a Christian, a constant Christian online, then you have to be ready to be canceled. You have to be ready to be rejected. And um, if you don't get as many likes or follows as you want, then you're just going to have to accept that without um, getting angry because... You have to be a Christian and stand up for what you believe in, even online. Um, so we need to guard our hearts and minds. Um, and the gospel is our only hope. So we need to look towards that um, and not compare ourselves to online. So I had a lot of fun this week. My favorite thing, I think, was the whitewater rafting. Denver pushed me in headfirst. Thanks, Denver. Grayson lifted me up and threw me in. Thanks, Grayson. <laughs> Um, but it's really fun. Um, where's Alex? Is this the pirating zone, Alex? Oh, the pirating zone was a lot of fun. That's where you get to jump on other rafts and push people off, which is how I got in there. Um, but we had a lot of fun, and I always use the whitewater raft as an example of all of these obstacles that you have to go around under the bridges, over the rocks. 
um, we have obstacles in life as Christians, and we need to be prepared to go across them and um, look to God through them so that we know what's Satan and what's God and when we need to um, follow that or ask Satan to step out and pray to God that we can follow through. Um, I want to thank you to everybody who donated money, participated in the cake auctions, um, because we got the chance to go again this year, and it was a lot of fun. Thank you to all our chaperones, and um, if you didn't go this year, I recommend you go next year. Huge shout out to our chaperones, Brian and Alexa, Paul and Gina, um, and then it was me. So I was the fifth wheel flat tire. I don't know what I was, but uh, um, they were awesome. The way they, they love on your students uh, was amazing. And so I'm very thankful that they would take a week uh, to spend time with them. All right, Tuck, you're up. This is Tucker. Oh boy. Uh, uh, hello. Uh, my name is Tucker. I, I, well, he's just told you that. Uh, anyway, uh, so my favorite thing about Snowbird is uh, well, uh, during the week, uh, I got saved. And, uh, and I, you know, and and uh, I got saved back in 2015, well, saved back in 2015, um, and I thought that I would commit my life to the Lord, um, but I faced challenges. That same year, my, my grandmother died, and um, later the next year, I think in sometime in December, uh, my parents divorced. And, you know, through that trial and going to, like, through such a young age, uh, I questioned with God. I, I was angry with him and confused, and I rejected, and I was afraid. Uh, and so, and over the years, I've seen his mercy, and I saw that he was good, but I didn't want to accept that and give away the things that I loved. Uh, and so when I went to Snowbird um, this year, uh, I, something happened. Uh, I did, <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, it's hard to explain, but I, I felt something, and uh, I think it, I know it was the Holy Spirit talking in me. Uh, he told me that, you know, I'm, that, yeah, like, this is bad, but I mean, I mean, you know, it's, it's for a good cause. And uh, I, you know, I see this as a, as a love story instead of a instead of a, uh, a tragedy, because it got me closer to God over the years, and, um, but uh, anyway, uh, I, so, um, I, uh, so when I went to Snowbird, uh, there were, we went to Swo Underground, uh, it's like a prayer chapel um, that all of us go to uh, at night, um, and there's this uh, specific room called, a, I think, uh, the Jesus Reflection Room. I could be wrong about that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I stood there for five minutes uh, just staring at a picture of Jesus on the cross. And um, that's when, you know, I had like this aha moment like, oh, 
you know, I've been missing out. And my, uh, my camp counselor, Matt, came out and uh, he told me uh, to come talk with him. And we stayed out there for 30 minutes um, praying and, you know, he, he saw me and he said, you know, I know that you're angry with God. I don't know what you're going through, but just by looking at you, I know that you're angry. And um, right then and there, I gave my life to Christ and I could, I, I'm so happy. I just, I just, you know, and over the years, you know, I, I would always, you know, cry in my room and, you know, lock myself away from my family and friends, um, you know, questioning God and, like I said, being angry with him when I would always question why. Um, well, I had the answer on a bookshelf. It was in the Bible, and I just, I, I wish I would have known that uh, years, years, uh, years before. Um, but I'm so happy that I uh, have a church that I can call family. And uh, I love you all, and uh, I love Pastor Aaron. He's been a really big influence. Uh, I love my dad. He's, uh, he's really uh, helped me through the, through the years. Uh, so yeah, and uh, the youth, I, I love you all. You all mean so much to me. Uh, you know, uh, I just, I love you guys. That's all I can say. Awesome, awesome, Tucker. Love you, brother. Love you, man. Let me just uh, add a little bit more uh, to that story while I walk down here and get some tissue. Um, so last year, our church bus, uh, the air condition wasn't working, so we didn't take it. We drove in vehicles, and Tucker was in my van. And Tucker and I had a chance to talk a little bit, and I could tell that God was, was working in, in Tucker's heart. And Tucker even acknowledged this past week that he resisted that. He, he pushed back. But the Spirit of God didn't give up on Tucker. So I want to say to you, this morning, if God has been working in your heart, speaking to your heart, drawing you to himself, and you have resisted that, and you wonder, does God still love me? Is he still pursuing me because I resisted him? Tucker's story is, is yes. He, he doesn't give up on you. Um, whatever I say in the next 15, 20, 25 minutes doesn't top what, what God did in Tucker's life this week. That's what it's about. It's about lost people being saved and coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So um, the, the best two week things all week long revolved around Tucker. One was his being saved. Second is one night on the way to worship, uh, he did a karaoke to the Frozen song, Let It Go. Um, and, <laughs> encore, and it was flat out amazing. Um, and that would have been the highlight, but obviously his eternal salvation trumps that, but um, it, it, it was amazing. So uh, so I'm not going to preach through Ruth this morning. I'm going to pray in just a second. Um, I want to kind of do a little bit of a recap uh, from camp. One, one session that we sat through that really impacted me that I think is appropriate uh, for, for Father's Day today. Um, and then we'll pick up with Ruth um, next week. So, so let's pray. And then I'm going to be in a lot of different places this morning with Scripture. Um, so, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you, God, for this past week. Lord, for how you saved, but God, for, for also how you convicted, how, how you spoke. God, my life was changed through a week at camp. You called me into ministry during a week at camp. 
God, I know that when you come back, man, you are, you are on the mountaintop. And there is a spiritual high that comes with being at camp. And what so often happens, and the pastor spoke to it this past week, is we make all these promises and these commitments, and as soon as we get back into the real world, surrounding real temptations, we immediately just come straight back down until the next year of camp, and we're right back up. And Father, my prayer for these students is that they will not experience that spiritual high and low, but Father, they will experience consistency. One of the pastors said, following Jesus isn't mystical, it's methodical. It's every day walking with Jesus, being consistent in that walk, being in the Word of God, living a life that honors Jesus, a life of wisdom, a wise life that we're going to talk about this morning. And so, Father, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts through the words, Father, that are, that are going to be shared, that you would encourage us, convict us, challenge us. Father, I pray that each person would take notes, and this is something they would meditate upon this week, thinking through how do we live a wise life. Because, Father, we're, we're different than the world. We're to stand out. Father, if we seek to follow you, Jesus, we will stand out. We're going to be different. We may be canceled. We may be considered to be insane, out of our minds, weirdos, Jesus freaks, possibly. But Father, we want to be all in, just day by day, walking with you, becoming more like Christ, trusting in the, in the power of the Spirit of God to transform us. So Father, speak to us now. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Usually I know what I preach, how long it's going to take me. I have no clue this morning. It could take me 15 minutes. It could take me 30. I, I have no clue. Um, so while I was on vacation, I was thinking about preaching, and I knew, hey, I'm on vacation. I don't want to spend all vacation studying. And then I knew at camp I wouldn't have a lot of time to study. And so my plan was to, to recap camp, and that's what I did last year. But while I was on vacation, I knew today was Father's Day. And so I began to think a little bit about Father's Day. And so I began to praise God for my dad. Uh, giving thanks to God for, uh, for him and, and what he means to me and how he pointed me to Jesus. I then began to give thanks for my two sons, Landon and Malachi, who was there and who's no longer there, um, uh, and, and how blessed I am uh, to have them and, and to be their dad. But then I began to think about, in our society, in our, in our culture, the breakdown of the family, that what I have a mom and a dad who are still together and married and love each other and love me and then my relationship with my wife and our two sons, then not everyone has that. As I begin to think about the breakdown of the family, I then begin to think specifically about the absence of fathers. So I went to the internet and I began to do some research. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, 18.3 million children, that is one in four, live without a biological step or adoptive father in the home. One in four. I wonder if that's more than that, just not everybody filled out their census. And so then I, I begin to come across some statistics, and these are going to be on the screen. I don't know how well you can see them, um, but this is from fatherhood.org. Those who are raised without a father, whether it's biological, adoptive, four-time greater risk of poverty, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to have behavioral problems, more likely to face abuse and neglect, two times greater risk of infant mortality, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more likely to go to prison, two times more likely to suffer obesity, more likely to commit crime, two times more likely to drop out of high school. Think about 
the absence of fathers. For the past year, we've been talking about a pandemic, rightly so. How do we fight against this pandemic? Well, church, I think we need to start talking more about the epidemic that is fatherlessness, the absence of fathers in someone's life. And that's not to say, mothers, you aren't important. I mean, mothers, you're, you're in, in many ways the foundation. Like, like my life wouldn't be the same without my mom. And certainly raising sons is not the same. And so moms, you are vital and so important. But what we see is when the father is not there, and it seems to be more often if someone's going to abandon their family and their children, it's going to be the father over the mother. Though some of you are, are, are single dads, right? And you're trying to raise your kids. And, and I praise God for that. So this past week, one thing I love about Snowbird is not only do they preach up here and challenge you to learn, but they, they're honest and they ta- tackle difficult subjects. And so one day they separate the guys and the girls and, and they speak to the guys. And then later on, a lady will speak to the girls. And so um, our topic was biblical masculinity, what, that, what it means to be a man, what that looks like. But what I found to be very helpful is during that session, they talked about how do we live as wise men? How do we live as wise men? And they shared 12 things. So I want to share these 12 things with you. Most of them I'm going to go through quickly, just maybe give you a verse. And what I want you to do is if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down and I want you to spend some time thinking about this. The good thing about this is it was so general that it applies to you as well, ladies. So when they're talking about how to live wise as a man, they're not really talking here about being a father or a dad or a husband. They're just talking about what it looks like to live as a wise person um, in our culture. And, and so let me start with a point. I'm going to end with a point, and I'm going to give you the 12 things as we work through this. What I want you to notice as we go through these 12 things is I want you to notice how much it contrasts with someone who is worldly, an unbeliever, someone who is living an unwise life. If you're going to say, hey, I want to live a life as a wise man or a wise woman, and I'm going to live out these 12 things, you are going to look drastically different than an unbelieving world. Because it's only Jesus Christ that can bring about these things in us, that can change us, because it's not natural to do these things. So, so here they are. Number one, a wise man, a wise woman fears the Lord. Fears the Lord. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord, fearing God, is the beginning of knowledge. And then it says this, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools know the truth and don't live it out. To know what is true and not to live it out means you're a fool. It's foolish. And it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. One verse that has been on my heart so much in the last couple of weeks is Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It says this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord. Jesus Christ is God. He is Savior. He is also Lord. He is to be Lord and Master of your life. As you received him, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And so if we're going to live as wise men and wise women, it starts by fearing the Lord, putting God, putting Jesus above all things. He must be first in your life. Is Jesus Christ first in your life? Is he Lord, Savior of your life? That's number one, fear the Lord. Number two, a wise man treasures the word of God above everything else. 
treasures the Word of God above everything else. One statement that I heard many, many times, and Alex alluded to it, is that we are to saturate our minds with the Word of God. So let me read a couple verses out of Psalm 119. Psalm 119. You all know how lengthy Psalm 119 is. I will not read all verses, but I'm going to read about eight. Verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. That's verse 9 through 18. Verse 16. 9 through verse 16. Read those verses this week. Underline every time it refers to the Word of God. They shared a statistic with us during this session that I found very, very interesting. Um, back, it was a Back to the Bible survey. So Center of Bible Engagement uh, did research, um, and what they found in, in this research is that the life of someone who engages Scripture four or more times a week so you're in God's Word, not once a week, not twice, not three times, but four times a week, you're in God's Word. They look, the Christian looks radically different from the life of someone who does not. What they also found is this. The lives of Christians who do not engage the Bible most days of the week are statistically the same as the lives of non-believers. That's what their website says. That if you call yourself a Christian and you are not regularly in God's Word, then you will not look much different than an unbeliever. But if you're in God's Word four times or more per week, there is a radical difference between what you look like and how you live as a believer as someone who maybe reads it once, twice, or three times. So, someone who engages the Bible four or more times a week is 228% more likely to share faith with others. Just because you read God's Word four times a week, 228% more likely to tell somebody else about Jesus. You are 407% more likely to memorize Scripture if you're in God's Word four times a week. You are 59% less likely to view pornography if you are in God's Word four times or more a week. And you are 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness. God has given us His Word. There may be times in your life where you read inconsistently. But church, we cannot walk wisely. We cannot be more like Jesus and live more like Jesus if we are not in his word. So get in his word. Make that commitment this morning. God, I want to be more faithful. And they did an entire session, and I asked Landon, you know, what's one thing that you learned? Not a chance in France he was going to get up here and talk. Uh, but, he, but, he, but he told me, he said the thing that he thought was most helpful was they had a session about how to study God's word. How to study God's Word, and, and they were taking notes, and they learned that. And so I hope, man, our students will, will follow that and will begin to study. N number three, a wise man or a wise woman, this is so important, doesn't trust his own wisdom, knowledge, and feelings. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Can I be honest with you? You cannot trust yourself. You can't trust yourself. If you think, well, man, I know. This is my feelings. I can trust my feelings. No, you can't. 
We say, well, this is what I think, and I, and I trust myself. I trust my wisdom. I trust my knowledge. I know what I'm doing. No, you don't. You don't. I mean, your, your emotions, your feelings, what you think you know, if you're just trusting in that, it will deceive you every single time. You cannot live a wise life trusting in your own abilities, in your own knowledge, in your own degrees, right? whatever you've got hanging on your wall. Our hope isn't in that. Our hope must be the Word of God, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, right? the knowledge of God, knowing what God's Word says, and then wisdom, living it out, applying God's Word to our life. Don't trust your own wisdom, knowledge, or feelings. Number four, a wise man or wise woman doesn't trust in wealth doesn't trust in wealth. Proverbs 11:4 says riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And we live in a culture where so many people are trusting in their wealth. Their god has become their job or their god has become their money, right? Money is not the root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of money. It's the love of money. Look, you got to examine your heart. What do you love the most? Like, what, what, what are you seeking the most? If it's money, if it's wealth, then that's become your God. That's what you're bowing down and worshiping. And to say, listen, I'm not going to trust in wealth. I'm going to trust in Jesus is very countercultural. It's very countercultural, but that's how a wise person lives. They don't trust in wealth. Number five, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, a wise man or a wise woman works hard. Works hard. Proverbs 12, 11, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Now, we all know, and we, when we were in Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, I was just driving down one of the roads. Every restaurant, almost every place of business had a now hiring now hiring, now hiring. But everybody's looking for people to work because so many people don't want to work. And those who do work, they don't work hard. They don't work hard. Look, we are to work as unto the Lord. Every part of your life is to be lived unto the glory of God. That includes how you work. Like when you're on the clock, when you're at work, you are to be working hard. You are to work with honesty and integrity. And if you seek to live a wise life by working hard, you are going to be set apart from so many people who do not work hard. Work hard in all that you do. Number six, a wise man or a wise woman sees temptation and avoids it. Sees temptation and avoids it. Man, Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan wants to wreck and ruin your life. And one way he does that is through temptation. See the temptation and avoid it. Right? David's class this morning, they were talking a little bit about David and Bathsheba. Talking, talking about that. And you know, David gets up on the rooftop. When he sees Bathsheba, what should he have done? Ran. I'm out of here. Right? Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. He should, have, he should have left. The temptation was right before him, but instead of leaving, he took a second look and then a third look. And then he said, Well, I got to have that. You have to see temptation. I think you need to know where are you weak? Where are you the most vulnerable? Where does Satan seem to attack you the most? And in your life, that may change over time, but you need to recognize that. You need to see it. You need to avoid it. Avoid temptation, because if you don't, temptation will destroy you. Sin will destroy you. Number seven, 
stays away from sexual temptation. Look, I know we, we got some youngins in the room with us because we're taking a break with Children's Church for the summer, so I'm not going to get into this in great detail, but 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 says this, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Man, I love it. Snowbird does not shy away from the tough stuff. It doesn't. I mean, they, they talked about pornography this week. We had a chance, all the guys in our group, we got together with the three uh, male SWO staff, and, and we talked about this. Um, and so they've heard it. So parents, let me talk to you. Your students have something that you did not have when you were their age and I did not have when I was their age, and that is this. You and I had to go search if we wanted to find something inappropriate to look at. They do not. Hear me. If you think your students are responsible enough to have this without any kind of restrictions, you're fooling yourself. I have as many restrictions on my son's phone as I possibly can because I don't trust him, no, but because I knew how I was at his age. And I don't want just to say, hey, look, good luck, man. Figure this out on your own. Right? I'm trying to protect him and guard his heart as much as possible. And look, some of you may be like, I don't want to have these conversations with my students. Well, you better start because everybody else is. And so you want to teach them what does it look like to be a godly man, a godly woman, to be pure in a day of so much impurity. Number eight, a wise man or wise woman receives rebuke and correction. I'm going to go through these next couple pretty quick. Receives rebuke and correction. Proverbs 9, 8 through 9, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. So if you were to come up to me after the service and you were to say, Pastor, I need to say something to you. and I'm going to say it in love, but I need to correct you on something. You know what's going to automatically happen within me? I'm going to just kind of bow up. I'm going to be ready to defend myself if you bring something towards me. we we got to get to a position and a posture when someone comes to us in love and rebukes us or corrects us that we receive it. Young men, young women, you need to have older men and older women speak truth into your life. Older men, older women, you need to be willing to speak truth into the younger people's life, but in a way, not where you're condemning them and judging them, but where you're doing it in love. Hey, I've learned. I've been there. Let me share with you what I've learned. Number nine, a wise man chooses his words carefully. Oh my goodness, let's be countercultural, please, here. A wise man chooses his words carefully. Proverbs 17, 27, whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Choose your words carefully, and that means the words you say online. Choose them carefully, and that leads to number 10, and I want to camp out here for a minute, and that is this. A wise man or wise woman does not promote himself. Proverbs 27.2 says this, let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. So I think it was the, the second day we were there, the first morning, uh, we, we have a breakout session with adults, and I think it was there, the guy that leads worship, Zach, was doing this breakout session, and he, and he said something that I've been struggling with for a long time, and that is this. He said, I don't know what to do with social media. Church, I don't, I don't know what to do with social media. I don't. Um, a week and a half ago, I deleted Facebook off my phone. It's not on there. Now, I would delete my account, but I've got to have an account to be able to get onto the church's page. Um, Otherwise, I, I delete it. 
I don't, I don't know what to do with social media. How do we do social media without promoting ourselves? Because that's really what it is. Look what I had for breakfast. Look what I did. Look at this. Look at me. Look, and and, and I, don't, I don't get it. And he, he made a great point. And I'm not, I'm not knocking you. If you have social media, you can use it to honor the Lord. You just got to figure out how are you going to do that. For me, it's just I don't find it helpful. And so I deleted it off my phone. Um, now I have Instagram, but I found Instagram not to be near as dramatic as Facebook. Praise the Lord. Hopefully it won't be that way. But, but he made a great point. Um, you guys, some of you had, you got, well, everybody's got a wallet. Some of you used to have pictures of your family in the wallet, right? And you'd go around and you'd flip that thing out and you'd show pictures. Can you imagine? It's a great point. Can you imagine if every time you walked into a room, you said, hey, Brian, let me, let me show you this. Let me, let me show you my phone. Let me, let me show you this picture. Will you like it? Will you like it? Let me show you this. Paul, look at this. Look at this picture. Will you like it? Will you like it? You know how insane and ignorant that is? <laughs> and yet, that's what we do on social media. It's always, hey, look at me, look at me. And Bella's right. If we don't get likes, we're like, huh, nobody likes me. I worked really hard on this post and on that photo, and nobody, nobody likes it. Now, look, if you can do social media and it doesn't cause you to go up and down and you're doing it for different reasons, that great, that's great. But, but I want to share a quote with you. I mean, there were some incredible quotes that they, they talked about during the session on social media. So Neil Postman, in 1985, wrote a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. And he was talking a lot about the television because phones and social media wasn't a thing back then. But this is what he said. 1985, he said this. Americans no longer talk to each other. They entertain each other. They do not exchange ideas. They exchange images. They do not argue with propositions. They argue with good looks, celebrities, and commercials. And then he said this. People will come to adore the technologies that undo their capacities to think. Facebook has made us into a people that if somebody posts it, it must be true. Most of what you read on Facebook is garbage. It's not true. It's not the real world. What you see on Twitter, that's not the real world. That's not how most people, if you were on Facebook and Twitter, you would think everyone hates each other. That no white or black person could ever have a conversation. That no one, no one regardless of race or background or socioeconomic status, Republican, Democrat, you would think we all just fight constantly. I can't tell you the last time I've been in a room where that's all that happened was fighting. Most rooms I walk into, everybody's nice to each other. We, we like love each other. We talk and we don't all agree. And so we're thinking this is the real world when in fact that's just a lie. That's not what the real world looks like. And if you can't distinguish Facebook world from real world, right, then, then you need to get off of it. And let me also say this. Um, I don't know how many people are converted to your ideas through Facebook. I can't tell you the last time I heard somebody say, man, I read this post and I gave my life to Jesus. Or I read this post and I'm no longer a Democrat, no longer a Republican. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So listen. Jesus cares about your social media life. He does. It matters. And if you can handle it and honor Jesus, then do it. If you can't, hold that button if you got an iPhone until start shaking and hit that X and delete it off your phone. I don't know what Androids do. I don't have one of those, so you need to delete it. All right. Number 11, a wise man is humble. 
1 Peter 5, 5 through 6, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Church, can I plead with you? Just live humble lives. Just live as a man or a woman of humility in all that you do. And then the number 12, a wise man or woman asks God for wisdom every day. James 1, 5-6, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Ask God for wisdom every day. Let me go back to the verse that's been on my heart, mine, and I'm almost done. It's this, chapter 2, verse 6 in Colossians. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Let me ask you this. How did you receive Christ Jesus the Lord? Here's the answer. By grace. You received Christ Jesus the Lord by grace. When Tucker was standing there in the Jesus reflection room and the Spirit of God showed up and began to work in his heart, Tucker couldn't say, man, this is because of me. Jesus is seeking me out because of me. No, he knew it was the grace and the mercy of God that loved him. When I was saved on June 18, 1990, it was the grace and the mercy of God that called me. So as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You received him by grace. So church, hear me, walk by grace. Walk in his mercy. Walk in his love. If, if you meditate and pray through these 12 things that, that they shared with us this past week and I just shared with you, you know what you're going to find? Man, you're falling short in a lot of those areas. But the grace and the mercy of God is there to keep working in you and keep transforming you. Uh, we sang a song this past week that I was not familiar with, but I absolutely love the lyrics. And, and I just want to close with this. It's called God is Love. It says this, Because He is good... And he is God. And what I earned, it's not what I got. And he is just, yet also kind. What I deserve, it's not what I find. What more could I say about him? My God is love. And I want you to know that our God is love. And he is gracious, and he is merciful. And that God showed up and did a mighty work in our students' hearts and lives this past week. And parents, I'm just going to ask you to continue to fan the flames. I mean, they're on fire. Fan the flames. The north side, may we continue to fan the flames because I don't want them like this and then like this and like this. And I don't want you like this, man, when you leave here. Like, man, that was encouraging. And, and man, Tucker got saved and I'm on fire and I'm going to go tell everybody about Jesus and then get in your car and three minutes down the road, you're right back down here. It's not mystical. It's methodical. As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, one foot in front of the other, walking in Jesus, trusting in his grace and his mercy. Let's be men and women who live wise lives. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. And Lord, as we sing a song in, in just a minute, just praising your name, God, for who you are, just in responding to the message Lord, we, we just want to give you praise. Father, we're, we're saying to you right now, thank you for saving us. We know it was your grace and it was your mercy. Father, thank you for putting the Spirit of God within us. 
Because, Lord, we can't live changed lives apart from the Spirit of God. It is not possible because our sin and our flesh is too great. But, Jesus, you are greater, for you have conquered the grave. You are alive. And so we just want to praise you. And so, Lord, as we sing this next song, may we just surrender our hearts and our lives to you. If we need to come, Father, and kneel here at the front and just pray, may we do that. If we need to make a decision right where we are, Father, as we sing, be glorified in us. Father, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to worship together. Jesus, my Redeemer, there is no more for to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. For my life is only bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can see. All is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. The Savior, He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing. For in my need, His power is displayed. To this I hold, my Shepherd will defend me. Through the deepest valley, He will lead. Overcome, yet not I, but through Christ in me. No fate I dread, I know I am forgiven. The future's short, the price it has been paid. Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon, and he was raised to overthrow the grave. To this I hold, my sin has been defeated. Jesus now and ever is my need. Oh, the chains are released, I can see. I am free, yet not I, but through Christ in me. With 
something going on in their life, man, they can come talk to me. Um, I want them to know me like anybody would know me. And so students, thank you for putting up with my weirdness um, at camp. Uh, I appreciate that. I am, I am what I am. Uh, secondly, um, VBS, right around the corner. If you haven't signed up, please do that. The information uh, is in the bulletin. If you want to help and don't know how to help, uh, Rachel Stedham is our children's ministry director. She's heading up VBS uh, they're on their way back right now. They've been out west for a couple weeks, so they're driving, watching us uh, as we worship. And so um, she'll be back in town. You can touch base with her this week, email her or see her Wednesday and let her know, hey, I want to help. Uh, and invite your friends, invite your neighbors. If they have kids, tell them to come so that we can learn about Jesus. All right, Ryan is going to come and he's going to close us with a word of prayer. Just a reminder, no evening activities tonight. You all have a great day. Uh, and love on your dads and let them know how much you appreciate them. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us time to gather together in your house today, Lord. Lord, thank you that you are our good, good Father, Lord, that you are the one who came for us, you did die for us, Lord, that you came to heal the broken people, Lord, all of us, Lord. Lord, thank you for that. Just ask you to continue to work in us that we would be drawn closer to you, loving you more, Lord. Lord, ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.